JT, JT, JT. We're back. We are. Uh, how are you, my friend? You know what, man? I'm pretty good. Yeah? I'm pretty, I'm pretty, pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's been a long, short week because it is a holiday week, which is right. nice. Right. Um, but it feels like you ever have those, like, I just get the feeling that on weeks where people know it's a short week, the front of the week gets overloaded because people feel like they need to like course correct for not being around, even though they could have just left it alone and probably it would have been fine. Yeah. It's, it's the, I think there's a lot of the, I'm going to show people I'm busy right before I go on vacation. So people know I'm really busy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, funny enough, actually my, my last day of work yesterday was, uh, was, was a pretty normal kind of day, but my first day back, I've already looked at the schedule. I think I have like four free minutes. It's, yeah. it's not good. <laughs> It's, it's just, not yeah. good. All I can think is like I'm not. I, I didn't go away for like four months and get like stranded, and nobody knows what my projects are about. Like there's checks and balances everywhere. I can't imagine. But uh, you know, we're gonna meet. We'll have some Zoom calls. Yeah, a couple of them probably could have been an email. You know how of it is. So many of them. Uh, and you are so you're like you're getting ready, right? Like how are you now? You're you're ready for a trip. You're about to leave. I'm going offline, off of the line for the next uh, five days. Uh, we've tried to do this every year to varying lengths. Longest was, I think, three weeks, about uh, six, seven years ago. Shortest, probably two, three days. But uh, it's nice. And you're fully off the grid. Like, no no cellies, no iPads, none of the stuffs? Just faxes. We can get faxed. Oh, so still got faxes. Okay, still got faxes. Yeah, yeah. You can't ever stop the faxing. Right. You need, well, you know, what happens if an important order comes through? Yeah. No, I mean, that's why we got the IFAX 7S. It, it just helps a lot. You got the 7S. I like the upgrade. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. That's good. Uh, so, as we lead into a holiday weekend, uh, we thought that the thing we love this week should be somewhat along, that, along those lines. And uh, nothing says this holiday weekend to me like barbecuing. And so, the thing we love this week is how to barbecue right. Uh, are you you are unfamiliar with this, correct, Jer? I um I am familiar with the phrase you used, but not the context that it means some special piece of content somewhere. Uh got it. Okay, so let me give you some context. So uh, it's a guy named Malcolm Reed. Uh, the thing I like most about Malcolm Reed is he looks like the kind of guy I want to cook my barbecue. Oh, yeah, he just looks like a guy who gets barbecue for sure. Uh, so he like grew up around barbecue in the South. He's got 20 plus years of barbecue experience. Um, he's like won a bunch of like the cooking contest stuff, not like food networky things, right? Like he's like a down home, like, you know, sort of like backwater barbecue competition guy, but he's won a bunch of stuff. He's got some cookbooks now too. Not, not that it really matters, but I, I really, I really kind of want to see if I can guess some of the visuals here. Let's go do it. Right. Like, and, and to be, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, one should not ju- judge one's uh, barbecue food by the appearance of one's grill person, because that would be not cool. Correct. But, uh, I'm picturing sort of a sweaty ginger guy who might be wearing a bandana. So uh, two of those things are right. <laughs> okay. All right. So he's like, he's not a small dude for Ponytail? sure. Ponytail? No ponytail. No, no. He looks like a, he just kind of has like a regular old crew cut, normal dude. Oh, okay. All right. I was picturing um, sort of that ginger, big beard, ponytail. Um, I'm trying to think of the professional chef whose who's image is my head right now. Mario Vitale. Um, no, no. Uh, 
It'll come to me later. No, it's a ginger guy who I'm sort of describing. Um, I don't know why I keep saying that because you know I don't I don't know. It's I think it's one of the last terms we're allowed to say. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah we still have ginger. Um, so no, Malcolm Reed is like so he's like a big guy. He kind of looks like like if I had to describe what he looks like, and I mean this in a loving way, but he looks like a like the the dad of one of the offensive linemen on your high school football team. <laughs> All right, now now I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. not like Billy Bob necessarily from Friday Night Lights, but like, we're in that camp. Yeah. We're around that. We're around that. Yeah. All um, right. The thing I the thing I adore about this dude is he genuinely just loves food. Like, there's no pretension to him whatsoever. Like, he's not fancy. He's actually he's gotten better. He's not particularly comfortable in front of the camera, which I kind of like. Oh, so that's like, good. He, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's nothing about this where he was like, I'm going to build an empire. Right. Um, there's another guy that I almost used who I'll just say it because, I mean, we might use him again. But there's a guy named Sam the Cooking Guy. And he's kind of just like a – he's kind of a dick. Like, he's good. He's got great recipes. He's got a ton of great, like, grill stuff. But, like, he's just hard to watch. He's kind of mm. like – he's kind of insufferable. Okay. This dude's, like, the opposite. Like, he gets so pumped when he makes good food, like he's so excited when stuff turns out right. Um, and he like makes mistakes and he kind of doesn't care. He's like, Oh, that was too much. Like, he's just like a very much like genuinely, he's the kind of guy who like made this for his friends or his friends, like asked him that he should do this. And then it like accidentally happened to him. He's got like almost a million subscribers. Like he's not like a, a small deal, but All right. does he, uh, does he, he have um like a, like a signature, like ribs or brisket or. Yeah. So he's got two. Um, the big, the, so the first one, which I can actually attest to being fire is, uh, he has a Jack sirloin steak made with some, obviously some Jack Daniels, which, mm. you know, given the Murica theme this weekend, maybe that's something you want to put on, on the grill. The other thing though, is, uh, dude, his tomahawk ribeye has got like, I think it's almost 10 million, if not over 10 million views, but the oh, tomahawk yeah. ribeye, even just the still shot of that ribeye that for the video, buddy. Yeah. You got me, it. you got me hungry for some ribeye and can can we note now again jt and i haven't talked about a bunch of things uh oh and and actually i'm inspired already for a different list but can we just <laughs> agree that that bone and ribeye is the steak yes okay yeah absolutely you know what i'm thinking though for another top five now what top five best, best cuts no top five best best cuts best cuts yeah i i could do that for That's sure thing. Okay. I also think I want to just go on the record before we jump into uh, actually introing the top five this week because it's a great segue. But I think we're four for six now of Jeremy coming up with, with the new other list ideas yeah. before we start the list. <laughs> Speaking of which, maybe we – no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, I think for our weekend, let's let's build off your, uh, your, your barbecue buddy theme. Is that what you called him, barbecue buddy? Uh, he's the – yeah, barbecue buddy. We'll call him that. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, we're already in trouble with some people who think we should be only using the word grilling because barbecue refers to a specific food, a specific type. thing. And uh -huh. we, are pre you know, let's be clear. I think JT and I are the kind of guys that we we respect that, and that's a thing. And and barbecue really does mean a food type. But we're also going to be a little lenient here because we know people talk about barbecuing, and so for for the purposes of the cast, we acknowledge and respect professional barbecue food, right. and. We're going to um, borrow from the vocabulary to, to do with it as we please. 
So, yeah, I think we're we're leaning more towards backyard barbecue than than the food type, which I feel yeah. like is a distinction for sure. Yeah. So while we're probably talking more about grilling than anything else, right? Yeah. Um, but the, you know, it's barbecue enough. So with no further ado, our top five for the week shall be top five grilling tips and or hacks, whatever term you'd like to use. We're going to go with top five grilling tips. And as always, we're going to test the waters with a little Shawshank test. For a reminder, or those new to the cast, the Shawshank test is inspired by the most rewatchable movies on television, where we'd argue that you almost have to eliminate Shawshank Redemption from the list because it is so infinitely rewatchable. And let's face it, if it's on TNT and it's Sunday at 3 p.m., you're just watching that all the way to the end. You just are. Every time. That's how it works. So since it's like the, the, the category definer, we're going to see, does, does grilling tips have its Shawshank? So uh, JT, do you want to put yours out there first? So I thought about this probably more than I should have. I only have one, but it's one of those things that I feel like there's the way I tried to frame this is, is there a thing that at a barbecue where you don't know everybody, but you're on the grill, someone is for sure going to come over and tell you, you should do. And I only came up with one. Okay. I came up with one and it's the onion trick. Ha. Onions on the list. I had a different one. I had a different okay. one. I could accept that, but let me tell you mine. Just see, so just so if we compare notes. Uh, and it particularly pertains to charcoal uh, grilling, but you, there, there's a gas variant, which is the, the pyramid technique where you just have a different heat zones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's, that falls in the same, like if someone walks over and sees you've got your heat zones going, they're going to be like, oh, you know, nice pyramid there, buddy. So I think what's interesting is I think both of us, so although separate, um, I think what I said is on your list and what you said is on mine. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so either it's a dual Shawshank uh, slot or nobody, no slot, no Shawshank, and we uh, we just go do our lists. I think we should just start with you. Start with yours. You start with with yours, and I'll start with the one that because mine's uh, it's similar to yours. All right, but I don't think either of them are are completely Shawshank. Fair so enough. I think we're but, gonna... I, but I will now, as a result, take onion off my list, and you're going to uh. take the heat zones off yours. Well, because I come, I come with six. I come with. I'm going to the... keep. I'm going to keep mine on because it's a little bit more than just heat zones. Okay. It's like it's, it's heat zone adjacent. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll start off over there with, with the heat zone adjacent and, uh, or maybe I'll just do the, the, the formal heat zones. And basically the technique goes something as simple as this at one end of your grill surface, it should be fairly cool. And I don't actually mean cold. I mean, relative to the heat that's in the grill and at the other end, it should be very hot. And so your coals or again, your, uh, your gas burners, should be set uh, accordingly. So on, if you were going to go from left to right, for example, at the left, you'd have actually no charcoal whatsoever. You just see the bottom grate. And at the far right, you'd have charcoal piled up fairly high. Again, without knowing your particular grilling scenario, could be all the way, you know, an inch or so below the, uh, the grill line. Could be a couple inches, depending on what you got going on over there. And then as you cook, different things need different heats. Some things need to be heated up really fast and sear really well. So you're going over in that high end. And some things need a bit more of an ambient heat. You're, you're taking a little longer with them. Keep it on the cold end where you don't want any of the surface area to burn. And that is a simple audio description of a thing that works much, much better in one simple picture. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So the one that I had, so my, my description of that was 
less around how you actually set up your grill, but more around actually just understanding the difference between direct and indirect heat. Right. Because like, I think that people really get hot. I keep doing this on the podcast. Sorry. That was not an intentional pun, but people get like really into the idea of like, Oh, there's fire. So I want to see fire. And there are certain things where you do want to see fire, but then there's also times when you don't want to see any fire. So like as a quick rule of thumb, like if it's a 15 minute or less cook, direct heat's probably good. If it's anything longer than that, indirect is probably your move, Nice, right? Because if you have like that amount of heat, if you're just giving direct heat to something for a period of time, for that amount of time, you're going to char something. Like you're just, you're going to burn something for sure. Fair enough. Um, and then the bonus of my number one sort of like, you know, <laughs> indirect versus direct heat is the reverse sear, Right. Like the reverse sear is a perfect like use case of this, which the reverse sear is instead of going super hot and then closing up, you do it the other way around where you cook it low and low for up to 90% till it's about done. And then you put it on the heat for the last like 10% of the cook so that it actually like seals all those juices up. Mm. So that's going to be my number one. I'm, I'm sticking with indirect versus indirect or direct versus indirect heat. All right. I, I like it. And by the way, in response to your pun earlier, you know, it, it's a little lit. I mean, you're bringing the heat. You're cooking with gas. This podcast is fire right now. It, it is. All right, let's move on. Number two. So so that was both our number ones, right? Yeah, I think we're like, so I think kind of that might be Shawshanky now, but that's okay. We'll just say that those are number ones and you can start with your number two. <laughs> All right. Uh, I actually have two different tips, both related to steak. So I'm going to go with my first steak tip. And uh, JT, if you could uh, look at either of your hands for a moment. And look at that fleshy area below the thumb. I'm not actually sure what this region of the hand is called. Maybe something with a tarsal or a meta or some something like that. But that sure. fleshy area. Now, if I could ask you to uh, put your index finger into that fleshy area, or maybe a different finger of your hand also into that fleshy area, you'll start to yeah. notice it has a different texture to it. Mm-hmm. Well, my friend, and I see you nodding along. So I know, is this, by the way, on your list as well? It's not. This one okay. was on the cusp, but I love this one. <laughs> okay. Well, the texture is basically corresponding to the texture of your steak. The tougher the steak, the more uh, well done slash ruined it is. Can I just go there? Sorry. If, <laughs> you go, right. if you go above, if you go above medium, and that's and that's even pushing it right there. If you go above medium with a steak, you're, you're ruining your steak. And I'm just I I, I have no le- I have no no tolerance. There's no tolerance for well done steak here. Okay. That's a universal truth. That yeah. is a universal truth for this podcast. And and look, if your personal flavor, like that's what you dig, that like I'm not disrespecting that, but the rest of the tips aren't going to really matter because I can't help you with all that. Just, well, and also if that's your thing, just buy ground meat and make a make a meatloaf. Well, that's you get, like save or, the steak yeah. for the rest of us. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so anyhow, get used to that feeling because if you can like really get the sense of it, and the better, best part is. You don't even have to actually memorize it. You can just, just go real time. Be like, oh yeah, where's that Where's that steak texture again? And so with each finger down you go on your hand is a, uh, a decreasing from medium, medium rare, rare, etc. So a quick, you don't have a ter- thermometer or don't want to pierce your steak and I'm in that camp. You just, all you yeah. got to have is a hand. Yeah, love that one. And actually literally I like this section of your hand that you're referring to, I refer to as the temp check. Cause I don't know what it actually <laughs> is medically, but that's the only thing that I, that's the only thing this part of my body exists for is I mean, like, as a good reminder with steak. <laughs> it's sort of an argument for intelligent design, right? Like, 
Yeah. Those guys should be using that. Like, forget all the <laughs> other logic and they, oh, there's no bones and there's no dinosaurs or whatever. It's no, more yeah, like, yeah. hey, would we really have hands that work this way if they weren't to, to make steak? If we weren't supposed to be able to check doneness of steak in real time? No, I think you're right. <laughs> whole, new, whole new conspiracy theory for y'all right there. All right, JT, what's your second one? Uh, so my second one is uh, kind of like a, this is just a personal like thing that always gets me. Uh, just don't oil the grates, man. Oil the meat. That drives me nuts. Like when I see people like really hammering with Pam or some like, like there's, listen, I get it. There's a reason to do that, which is it's good for the grates to some extent, but it doesn't help cook your meat. Like actually oil the meat itself. Buy a good silicone brush. They're cheap. Use a little bit of oil, use some butter, like whatever it is that you need to. Also, not everything should be oiled. Like there's a bunch of stuff that you don't want to put things on, right? Like if you get into your like fat content, like always think about fat content. Like, so your bigger pork stuff, your most of your beef cuts probably don't do it unless you buy like super lean stuff, but like chicken, turkey, leaner cuts. Yeah. Like you should probably need some kind of lubrication, some sort of oil, use a little bit of good olive oil. Don't like just hammer it down. Also it's dangerous. Like the amount of people I see who are like using aerosol cans on an open flame. I'm like, you know how that works, right? Like, it's coming back at you hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that's a, it's a silly one and it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the grill, but also it's more about like treating the meat properly. Like sometimes doing a good steak, if you've got a good fat content steak, like with good marbleization, leave it alone. Yeah. Like don't, like don't put some weird canola oil thing on the grill. You're going to taste that and you're ruining salt, pepper and walk away. Yeah, man. Just like, right. that's it. Nice. I, uh, I, if I, if I may just do a little adjustment on, on just the nuance here, I think you're, what you're suggesting, and I agree with it entirely is that you're separating treating the, the cooking surface versus how you're treating your meat. And I think Correct. that's sort of the nuance because you are right. Like the actual grill surface needs oil on a, on a semi-recurring basis. Yes. And I think to JT's point, that is no excuse for not seasoning your, your, your uh, product there. Yeah. And, and that's actually, that's a very good distinction because you're right. Like I'm not saying don't oil your grates because like for maintenance yeah. purposes, what I'm saying is it's not part of the cooking process. Right. Like treat the meat the way the meat needs to be treated and then take care of your grill when you're done. Right. And, and just in case anyone misinterpreted anything, just said, we don't mean motor oil. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Please be smart. <laughs> Uh, this is, by the way, I think this is becoming very quickly one of our judgiest podcasts. Um, and I, when it comes to this particular topic, considering that yeah. you and I for years have shared like, oh, what's going on? Like, what are you deep frying this year? I think like, I think it's, I think it's, it's fair. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I look at it like, I, I just don't, there are absolute wrongs and a well done filet mignon is just an absolute wrong. Yeah. Although, I mean, and, I, and I'll, I'll push, I'll push a button here with some folks. Any filet mignon is a little bit wrong, but you know. Ooh, yeah, okay. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I mean, I'm not surprised, but uh, I like, I like it. Let's All keep right. going. Let's get judgy. Let's get real judgy. <laughs> All right. Well, then, um, I'm going to go on my next one with probably like the least judges. This is just like straight up the most practical twenty odd dollars you'll ever spend. If you do not have a chimney, please go out and buy a chimney. This is the fastest way to cook, to prep your charcoal. It will make your family happier, happier with you because you'll be ready faster. Your charcoal actually itself will probably be in a more uniform um, state by the time you start cooking. You can easily add more layers for future heat needs. 
just buy a chimney 23 ish dollars and that's for like the weber brand right i'm sure you go right. to amazon and get the njuka brand for like 11 dollars. you know what i'm talking about yeah. right? all those weird absolutely bit cluff and stuff like it's like it's like kia has taken over uh, amazon products anyhow uh, buy a chimney thank you so are you so this is a like we won't go too deep on this but like are you exclusively charcoal like are you no. anti are you anti-gas not at all i i love charcoal for the flavor and I'm also a very practical person where if I want to cook one steak, I, I'm not going to, there's no, no one has come up with the, the personal uh, charcoal setup that can get me going on a steak as quickly as, as gas will. And I don't think that the flavor uh, improvement is so worth it on a single steak. Um, That's fair. So, you know, if it were me all alone out in the country somewhere, I'd probably be all a charcoal guy, but I got a family to feed sometimes. Yep. And uh, I think I think it's just a different set of tools. A lot of tools, a lot of jobs. Yeah. So it's so I'm I'm like mostly a natural gas guy. I actually like cooking over open fire. Like I like like genuine fires. Like just building absolutely like a big time fire. But um, yeah. I so this is the like second place where I've run natural gas to the grill. Just because I'm like, yeah, I don't even want to mess with propane tanks. Same. Like, let's go. Same. Yeah. Oh, maybe let's that should have been the two parter. It's like if you have charcoal, get a chimney. If you have gas, get natural gas. Yeah, just run natural gas. There you go. There, there it is. Yeah. By the way, second second house in a row, also with the pro the natural gas off the house. It's yeah. so it's so liberating a feeling. You just never have to think. And yeah. if you've ever run out of a tank, oh my god, it's it's the worst feeling. It is the worst. It's the worst feeling, and it never happens like at the good time. It's always like, oh, I've got these burgers are halfway done. Right. Oh, and I've got thirty one <laughs> people in my backyard. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. All right. What's your next one, sir? Uh, so I'm going to stick just because uh, we're talking about sort of using, I'll stick with a, a similar theme. So you're talking about using a tool to make things better. One thing that I think that people genuinely don't do enough of, use other things on your grill. Like just because it's grates, oh, I'm going to get there. Oh. Like just because there's grates, like dude, go buy a flat top, bring your cast iron skillet out, get yourself a solid griddle, right? The baskets, the actual great baskets for vegetables are great. The kind of heat, and the trapping of that heat is so different. Even if you have a gas stove, which I do, like it's still different. You can get a completely different level of heat up in that, in, like in the actual grill itself. Perfect example, pizza. If you have a good pizza stone, they're cheap. They're 20, 18 bucks, or you can buy one with no vowels from, from Amazon, as you mentioned earlier. <laughs> and like put that, like use that because you're going to get to six, 700 degrees on that grill, if you have enough, like, especially with natural gas, you can really get up there. Like you'll be able to get close to that eight, 900 mark that you want really, really want for pizza. There's no way that your conventional oven can do that. I love this one, JT. This is a, this is one of those, I hear you and I'm like, it's not in my head because it's obvious to me, but I think a lot of people don't think, oh wait, I can put other things on that surface. I don't just, it's not just meat on griddle, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that it's like the 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 desire to have it be like a hot dog and hamburger station is really high for people, and that's totally fine, by the way, if that's your move. But like, even if you have a lot of people over, or like for me, like one of my favorite things is I love smash patty burgers. Like I can cook those in my house on a cast iron, but then I have to do them in batches. If you buy an eighteen by fifth, like an eighteen by twelve little griddle that you put just put on like cast iron or whatever directly on top of your grill, now you're cooking with like eight or nine and like 10 at a time. And you can make like, you know, a proper smash burger for like everybody in your backyard and not have to do it in shifts, which is just like way cooler. Love it. Love it. 
Now we're cooking with fire, JT. Yeah, I'm real passionate about that. that you almost said that. I know. That I thought about it. It was close. I thought about it. I got it. I like that one. Um, all right. So speaking of good old hot dogs and hamburgers, I got wow. a hot dog tip for everybody. And this is one of those, like, you maybe heard it, but a lot of people seem to not. And uh, it's, I- I'm telling you, a lot of these, like, family cookouts with uh, with other kids around, you know, assuming you can be with other people, uh, these were always a big, big surprise hit. And I, I don't have a good term for it other than the twisty hot dog. And the twisty hot dog is you take a knife, preferably quite a sharp one, and you gently score the hot dog from one end to the other, twisting it and, and, and turning it as you go to create a, basically a diagonal line that's, that spins around and around, sort of like a barbershop uh, pole uh, a symbol. I'm, I'm, I'm not describing this one visually quite as well. But uh, what you do is you make the score mark the whole way down. And then when you cook it, what, you're, what happens is it opens up and you, first of all, get more surface area. So more of the hot dog cooks and gets that char in it. And basically you, you create texture in the bite. So you just bring like a little of that extraness to your hot dogs. People are happy. People are really happy. Yeah, I love this one. So uh, quick side note, my cousin got married and they had food trucks. They were actually got married in Westchester and they had food trucks and one of the food trucks was a hot dog truck. And I was like, yeah, whatever, cool. I'm like, that's neat. Like, you know, they had a taco truck and a gelato truck. I'm like, this is like a cool little thing. It was on a farm. The hot dog place did two things. They did your their twisty thing, right, which was really cool. The other thing they did is they cut it directly in half but they kept it so that it was still connected and okay. then they put it on a, on a griddle and then put a weight on it so that you got that full browning oh, caramelization across the whole thing, which also oddly enough fits on a hot dog bun better than anything else because now it's like flat. Yeah. And so the new England buns like envelop it. So now you don't have that push out problem when you've got, uh, yeah, it was just like those little things, man. That's a great one. I love that one. Also, it's like a fun thing for kids cause it looks cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next one is going to be, so I, I tried to not do, cause I have, I could do a hundred of these just on steak. So I tried not to go just with steak. So this one is a, this is everything but red meat. So this has nothing to do with any red meat. Um, dude, just familiarize yourself and love and embrace the brine. Brining oh. is so good. Yes. Brining yeah. is so good right? Like chicken, turkey, pork. Do people don't pork? Like you don't brine pork nearly enough. What a brine can do, and it's like you can use a marinade too if it's a, if, if it's like a decent salt content marinade, but the idea here is literally science. Like this is a science thing. This is not like a pretend. I think people often think that this is like sort of a pretension deal. It's really not, right? Uh, hey, JT, I heard the word still out on science. In some instances, it is. In this one, we are Bill Nye like positive. We're All good. Right. All right. I'll this one's that. good. So the reason very quickly, right? Like it makes so a brine in general, a lot people I think usually think about it with turkey, like specifically only for Thanksgiving, but they shouldn't. Like it's a thing that you can do all the time and it's not hard and it makes your food so much better. So it will make your meat significantly more juicy. The reason is it dissolves muscle fibers. So if you have a salt solution in a really, really high amount, um, what happens is that actually makes the protein bound together. But if you have like the right amount of salt, it increases protein solubility, which actually creates like distance between the muscle fiber and the actual piece itself, which means it creates pockets where now all of this like lovely natural juice and some of the juice that you put in there can actually like live a little bit more and breathe. Um, it's just so much better, man. Like it literally the fiber and the proteins like denature, which is like, it's just a really cool, like reaction, scientific reaction to the meat. 
Um, and it makes the meat taste so much better. And a lot of people, I think, get afraid of how much salt they think they're using. Don't. Like, it's, it's good. Like, it's, it's, riddled. it's supposed to do that. Most of the water that's also in there, there's like this horrible thing. People are like, oh, well, it, it makes it filled with water. All that, almost all that water cooks out. And the little that doesn't, right. that gets trapped, actually becomes juice that tastes like whatever you're cooking. It's just better. Like, it's just one of those things that I think people think is like kind of a highfalutin fancy thing. It's no, not. No. It's just great. Just a better thing. I agree. Just a better thing. Good one. It's a good one, sir. Thanks. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to round down my list here. This number last, last one is, is my favorite and it's contentious, a contentious grilling tip. So back when I was grilling a lot, like twenties, early thirties, I was always reading like little tips here and there, every little thing I could get my hands on because you know, and we've talked about this. It was an earlier stage of the internet. Things weren't as easily organized, SEO'd, et cetera. You actually had to go find stuff sometimes, especially good stuff. And this one time I read this one thing and I, I've seen it again since, but it was a new way to cook a steak. And I said to myself, I will try this way and see what I think of this way. And I have, I have tried others since, but it is my go-to. And the simple thing is rather than a, than one uh, long cook followed by a second long cook, your steak is in not quite continuous motion, but in a lot of motion. It's Jeremy. It's two minutes per side. I think we have the same one. (laughs) Really? And then you go to the one minute. I think so. This is basically, sorry, keep going, but like we're very much on the same path here. Okay. So everybody, the technique is very simple. Two minutes per side, uh, flip twice, then two minutes again per side, rotating 90 degrees. So you've now got a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, checkerboard, hash mark, whatever you want to call that thing. Hashtag, hashtag steak, hashtag blessed steak hashtag don't don't stop believing um <laughs> i don't know what that came from so uh and then the last you go minute by minute until you get the temperature you like um and what it does the science i read about it again it's a little bit of science here is that you're moving the heat more uniformly through the meat right because of the constant flip you're not letting one side take and then potentially dry out and and you don't risk any of the side effects and you just get a more evenly cooked steak. Uh, you still need to make sure you leave it 10 minutes uh, after you're done cooking to properly juice out. Um, I'm sort of sneaking in that one. I'm also sort of sneaking in the, and don't you dare cook a steak that's not at room temperature, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. But uh, that is the, te- the, the, the two-minute, one-minute technique for steak uh, is my favorite. So I, so I love that. And we're, we're, we're really close to the same thing for my number one. Can I, and I kept this one for number one specifically, actually, um, which is really, I think this is like sort of interesting. So uh, first of all, yeah, rest your meat, please. Like even burgers, like just please do it. It's worth it. Like it makes a difference. Um, also room temperatures should go without saying, like put it out at least 15 to 20 minutes before you cook it. Um, or so I mean, if you, if you have the ability to, but like, even just like never go from fridge to heat, like ever, yes. like you got it. Like if you have like a marble countertop or even for Micah, turn the meat over on the other side, let it like, let it actually like absorb some of that cold. So what I actually wrote, and it's along the same lines, a little bit different, but my, my big one, and this has been a hard one for me. This has been a personal journey that I've been on with cooking steaks specifically, um, is step away from the grill marks. Right. So I had lived for a long time in this world of like, you want the on one side, 
and you leave it and you let it cook about 60% through on one side. And then you do a single flip and you leave it and then you take it off and you rest. And that way you have the perfect grill marks where you can like literally see where it was scorched. Um, it does look good, but again, it's science. So the more I've gotten into understanding the food of like, like the actual why behind a lot of this stuff. And when you go to steakhouses, the reason so many of them actually wind up cooking steaks in a cast iron skillet is exactly what you just talked about, which is what you actually need is this is full surface browning. Mm. So that's actually called the Maillard reaction, right? So it's a chemical reaction that occurs between amino acids and carbohydrates, and it's called non-enzymic browning. So when you if you if you leave the, if you leave a steak on one side and you just let it hit those actual grill marks, um, you're actually only caramelizing those one individual pieces that are on the heat, like that are on the actual like the grate itself. Yeah. By moving it around and constantly like by sort of like like you said, moving it ninety degrees, constantly moving it flipping it more than once, like basically mess with it. Right. By messing with it, what you're doing is like you said, you're allowing the heat to get all the way through. You're browning the entirety of the surface, which also inherently means that you're trapping more of the natural juice in. Because instead, if you have those like other ones, when like when you when you pause the Maillard process, um, it's actually like it's slowing down the heating process for everything. And so you wind up with pieces that are over and pieces that are under, or if you're like a medium rare guy or medium, like you should be, um, when you get into that world, those little lines are like the perfect bite. And then you wind up with these other pieces where the tendons haven't broken down and you don't get that same infusion. So <clears throat> literally messing with your steak is a thing that has taken me a long time to get comfortable with because I was always a set it and forget it, Ron Popeil kind of guy, but Love the science the is against it. Yeah, you have to love love Ron. So was the um the scientist who discovered this was he like into ducks or something? I just I don't what's the whole why is there a mallard thing? It's his last name was Mallard. <laughs> uh, I don't have this in front of me. I don't remember. He's like a French guy. It was like nineteen. I think it was nineteen twelve. That was a good. I'm gonna be really impressed if I'm right. If I'm right, I'm gonna be super prompt. But I think it was nineteen twelve that he like founded this, and it was like a thing where he's like, oh yeah. This is actually called like the Mallard reaction, which happens with, again, amino acids and carbs. Crazy. So similar, similar. Uh, I think, you know, the, the love of steak is shining through pretty, pretty strong right now. Jeff, steak gets some sure. love. Steak gets some yeah. love. So I think the big thing is like, listen, you know, like it's this, this is the grilling week, man. Like this is a week to grill, especially because you're home. What else are you doing? I think the big thing is I'm hungry. I'm starving. I, I'm, I'm really worked myself into hunger state right now. I'm going to have to <laughs> yeah. go. Uh, go grill something or, or, or something of that nature. I also, I also, I have to assume that we could have probably taken this list to at least 10 and, and, and beyond. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when I was doing it and like, like, look, who knows how many episodes we'll actually end up doing over time, Jer, but like, I could probably do a top five for every protein. <laughs> Interesting. Well, we'll come, we'll definitely re revisit grilling over the course of the summer. Uh, cause it's worth it. Yeah. Well, listen, and, and, and again, as, as you know, a, a look into our friendship, like the amount of pictures that we've shared of turkeys and, and steaks and stuff that we've done, like that's a real conversation that we have outside of the podcast. Uh, so this is genuinely one of our favorite things. I, I have which a grilling is, album in my, in my photos. I gotta be honest. Oh yeah. I have like my, my, if you go back and far enough in my Instagram, it's almost exclusively food pics. And a lot of it is grilling. Food pictures on the internet? On the internet. Yeah. Uh, as this is one of our favorite, grilling is one of our favorite things. Let's talk about what was our favorite thing on Wingman this week. Jared, what was yours? Well, as always, I'm going to cheat and just go with two. So we might as well just not call it 
one thing anymore or, or whatever. But uh, I got I got a toss up. I think um, I think my second choice, my runner up, is the dude who carved um, like the whole world inside a dead tree. Like, yeah, I, I'm looking at it was just amazing. The first to even have the idea to do it, and then to go execute it so beautifully. Like, I love seeing what when someone works really hard at a thing for a long time and the result is is epic that that's always um nice inspiration for me yeah but but my winner is going to be the um the turkish ice cream uh ice cream cart vendor guy who's doing like all sorts of crazy sleight of hand and fun messing with his customers and i went reading about that and there is like an internet rat hole to go dig into if you're curious on that topic but it's a whole thing so that was my uh that was my favorite yeah, and I love the business insider thing that you included in that because it is cool, like to learn like some of the history behind it. Like I had seen some of those before, but I didn't understand like the background. The background's pretty neat. So I again I think we're gonna have to change the title of this because it's always runner up in first place for for both of us at this point. So we'll yeah. just do favorite things. My second favorite thing for sure is uh Maggie Rogers and Pharrell. So mm. the the reason specifically is to like, you know, I'll spoil the clip. Like Pharrell is dumbfounded. Like you can see on his face that he's like, oh, you're special. (laughs) And it's really cool to see someone who has that level of talent discover someone else has that level of talent. And he gives her like one of the coolest compliments is he says, you know, um, he he describes her to Wu-Tang Clan, which is like when Wu-Tang came out, you either liked them or didn't like them, but no one sounded like them. Right. And so he's sitting in front of this, like, you know, young Maggie Rogers, and he's just like, she's at NYU, and he's like, I can't compare you to anybody. He's like, you know, and he says, that's my drug. Like, what a cool compliment to get from an icon. Um, But it's also cool because he literally just sits there and, like, trying to, like, he looks like he's almost annoyed at how good the music is for the whole Uh thing, which just makes me laugh. Uh, But my favorite one is the dumbest one for sure. And it's, I like, you know, we, we posted it on my birthday because it's my favorite. The girl scaring herself in the mirror on TikTok, I have watched, I'm not kidding, over 40 or 50 times. It makes me laugh every single time. And I don't know why. It's just like, it's her feet. Her feet scare her in the mirror because she didn't know that it was going to be in the reflection because she brings them up. Something about her reaction, calling herself dumb in the mirror is like the most relatable thing I've ever seen in my whole life. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know. It speaks to me on all of the internet levels. Um, which is just, you know, it, it's, it's, for some reason it brings me great joy and, and I love it. it. It's pretty high internet meta kind of thing. Yeah, it is. It's like, it's, it's also like it's peak TikTok, right? It's like literally just someone being weird alone in their bedroom and then having a moment and then the internet going, we're in, right. we're going to be a part of this now, which is, which is good. Uh, so this week, Jared, what do you got going on? What are you excited for? Other than, you know, you're going to go into your deal. Uh, offline for a week. Um, and then I guess excited about, uh, the Monday after just kidding. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I like work, so I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not one of those guys, but, uh, I think just, um, really, really getting into the summer vibe. Got a bunch of home projects to, to do. I finally got all the parts necessary. going to try to, uh, build a treehouse that doesn't kill my children. So mm. I've got all of the, I've got all of the bolts and whatnot now in house. So that's going to start next week. Wow, big project. Yeah, how about you? Birthday, buddy. Whoa. It's going to be my it's my birthday. So, I am uh I'm going to take the kids out on the boat for the first time and see if that's a thing that uh we can do as a family or 
if it's a horrible, horrible idea. <laughs> well, happy birthday, sir. Now, I, I got I to be honest, I, because we're recording technically before your birthday, I wasn't sure if this is the look forward or look back. But if it's the look forward, then have a really happy birthday, my friend. Hey, thanks. It is a look forward. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to do that, man. And then we're going to, you know, honestly, it's funny. I mean, but I'm, I'm excited to, you know, I've been doing all this healthy stuff recently and I'm excited to really take this weekend off from health and like make some bad food decisions and, and grill some stuff. I've got a couple things. Funny enough, I bought a new, just this week for my birthday for myself, I bought myself a nice little uh, griddle top for my grill that fits in perfectly so I can go make some smash patties for my birthday. So I'm pumped. That's a good yeah. self birthday present. I, I have a, I have a funny enough, I have a, 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 a grilling related present for myself this week as well. Uh, I wasn't going to go into the personal stuff, but it's actually my 16th anniversary. Hey. And I'll tell you more about the project another time, but uh, I've bought a bunch of components to build our own backyard tandoori oven. And oh, yeah. uh, you know what, once I do it, I'll figure out which of the videos that inspire me the most. I'll make that, I'll put that in wingman. Perfect. Um, but that's, that's, that's my plan for the week. Once we're, uh, once we're back online. Dude, it's going to be great. Well, listen, uh, I am very excited for you to get a week off the grid. That sounds lovely. You enjoy your Davy Crockett time, Jer. You know, I think, um, I think what was the Apple guy, Johnny Appleseed, I think, or, or Daniel Boone. All right. All right Davy Crockett did this. All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks for letting us be your wingman, everybody. Yeah.